Hey 80s family, the next voyage of the 80s cruise doesn't sail away from Port Canaveral for another year, but we're going to celebrate on March 13th anyway with a virtual sail away party online. Join us Sunday, March 13th for this amazing event featuring a pre-party with retro DJ Travis Bell, a star-studded main event hosted by Nina Blackwood, Alan Hunter, Mark Goodman, Larry the Duck, and Lori Majewski, visits from 2022 cruise artists, and more. More? You bet, including a sailway party throwback video, virtual door decorating contest, and more important, an online edition of Big 80s Trivia with Brad and myself. Oh yeah. Go to our Facebook page at facebook.com slash stuckinthe80spodcast to learn more, or visit the official 80s Cruise website at www.the80scruise.com. Remember, if you book a cabin using the promo code STUCK, you get $200 cabin credit. Now on with the show. Travel back in time to the 80s. Reliving the advice. Carpe diem. Seize the day. The comebacks. Why don't you take a picture? It'll last longer. Uh-huh. And the technology. Are you telling me that you built a time machine? Out of a DeLorean? Because just like you, we're stuck in the 80s. Can you say stuck in the 80s? Welcome to Stuck in the 80s. It's your pals, Spearsy. And Brad in Hollywood. And today we uncover the big Oscar winners and Razzie losers among the movies of 1981. From the Dorothy Chandler Pavilion in Los Angeles, California, the 54th Annual Academy Awards. Stuck in the 80s is now listener supported via Patreon. And now we have membership tiers with added benefits and annual memberships. Join us for VIP Zoom happy hours, swag bags, co-hosting opportunities, and more when you join at patreon.com slash stuckinthe80spodcast. I now have the great pleasure of introducing a gentleman who helps all of us know ourselves better through his own insights and his wit, our charming and handsome host for this evening, Stephen Q. Spears. Hey, 80s Nation. Brad and Steve here. It's almost award season again. Uh, normally late February, early March is when we'd be looking for the Oscars so we can see what movies won awards that we didn't watch last year. Uh, <laughs> but uh, here it's stuck in the 80s. We like to go back in time a little bit. So today we're going to be talking about the Oscar ceremonies in 1982, which honored, of course, the films from 1981, 40 years ago. And at the same time, we'll tell you which movies were nominated for Razzies. <laughs> Cooler, 20 days. We'll give you a little bit of uh, trivia on some of the winners. We'll share some personal stories. Steve's going to cry like a baby at one point. <laughs> the over-under is, what, two times, I would uh, think? At least, yeah. I think that's that's safe money. It, it did happen, actually, yesterday when I was when I was uh, Take the over. the notes here. And I'll tell you all about it when we get Take to the it. over. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, cast your mind back 40 years. There were some interesting moments that happened in 1981 to the film industry. None of them good for the most part. Uh, MGM acquired United Artists, which had been uh, humiliated with the release of the movie Heaven's Gate. Mr. Champion, my grandfather 
was the Secretary of War to Harrison. His brother was a governor of the state of New York. My brother-in-law is the Secretary of State. And to you, I represent the full authority of the government of the United States and the President. Him too. Bravo, sir. Humbled. Laid low. Actress Natalie Wood would drown in a boating accident mm. in November. If there's anything that was good that came out that year, it was An American Werewolf in London, which sort of set a new standard in visual effects and makeup. That's true. We did a podcast on that movie. That was fun. Yeah. Well, it was just a while ago. You'd have to go yeah. back and search our archive. Episode 286. The thing is, so 1981, you and I are about 14 years old. Yeah, this is right before I started seeing every movie just as a matter of course, because in I think it was in second half of 82 when I started working at the movies, and then I had easy access. Yeah. So like up until then, I had to pay for it like some kind of rube who comes in and buys a <laughs> ticket to see a movie. I'm like, who does that? Plus, you're also at that age where it's like, there's no way they're going to let you into an R-rated movie by yourself. No. no, especially in a small town where everybody knows you. Yeah. But what's interesting is now you're at that age where you know, you, you try to to uh, beg your parents to take you to see something, uh, like Stripes, for example. And, and then they're forced to make a, a monumental parenting decision about, you know, he really wants to see stripes, and I really want to see stripes, but I'm pretty sure there's going to be some horrible language and a lot of uh, gratuitous nudity and here. some suggestive uh, activities. The yeah. antrimonial so, treatment will never be the same. What are you going to do with that? This. <laughs> and this. <laughs> Who's your friend? Who's your buddy? I am, all right. I actually don't remember if I saw Stripes in the theater or not. I, I want to say that I did. I know I did not because uh, that, those were the days when suddenly the cable system started scrambling channels. And so you could kind of watch it, but it was like the colors were weird and the video was kind of tearing. My sister and I would still watch Stripes that way all the time. <laughs> I, well, I remember in college, which of course was a couple years later than 1981, your cable box was, was dials. Right. Instead, instead of you know, like a some little, of them were push button too. If you right. remember that, and you if you if you like put if you put the dial like sort of in between numbers, or if you push the button halfway down, you could get a movie channel like HBO for free if you just knew the right combination of uh, yeah pressure there, points. There are a couple of and here here comes nerd talk with Brad. There are a couple of standard channels that are in between like. The frequencies are in between channels six and seven. So if you could tune your TV there, a lot of the cable channels at the time, it was like, I think it was channels 96 and 97, something like that. But they were not something you'd have on your normal dial in the VHF band, but they were legal channels. So you could buy the hardware to make them happen. So that's where they would put the pay channels. That makes sense. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so I know. Sorry. So the guy I, who never took a physics, physics class. In I his cut life. that as, as short as I could, believe me. <laughs> yeah. Cast your mind back. Here was the top 10 films in the box office. And, and some of these names we're going to say again today, but just to kind of put things in perspective. Number one, uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Oh. Number two, On Golden Pond. Number three, Superman 2. Huh. Uh, okay. Followed by Arthur, Stripes, Cannonball Run, Chariots of Fire, For Your Eyes Only, The Four Seasons, and Time Bandits. Time Bandits, really? That list amazes me. Number one, Cannonball Run was number six? I, I, How is I, that I, possible? 
I mean, oh, I, how's Time Bandits even in the top ten? Uh, well, yeah, okay, that's the next. That was my next moment of incredulity. <laughs> so, so okay, so so we're working on a very weird year. It's with that in mind that we we talk about the fifty fourth. Uh, annual Academy Awards that are presented March 29th, 1982 at the Dorothy Chandler Pavilion in Los Angeles Ooh. and presided over by Johnny Carson. Was your family like a watcher? Did you guys like to watch the Academy Awards? Uh, no, my parents were not at all interested in pop culture in its current form or maybe not even in their in its former form. Like my parents were probably the only people who were adults in the 60s who were like the Beatles. Ugh. <laughs> Famously, my older sister was born the day the Beatles were on Ed Sullivan, and my mother likes to tell the story about how she's in the hospital bed, and it was on the TV in the next room. She's like, what is that noise? Turn that off. God. That's crazy. That's what, that's what happens when you deal, you're dealing with classically trained musicians. There's a little bit of snobbery involved yeah. sometimes. Sorry, Mom. I want to say my parents watched it, and maybe I'd be allowed to be awake for the first you get to know. see like the supporting that they open yeah. with. Yeah, that's and that was about it. And then, but I never really got it. Like I didn't see the significance of it. I was just like, okay, you know, this is what we're we have one television set, and this is what we're going to watch what's on tonight. Yeah. Well, and that was also back before they would play people off. So like these shows would go long, long, long every time. Yeah. With that in mind, let's let's begin the journey. We're not going to cover all the topics. We're going to cover five. We're going to talk yeah. about best picture. The four main actor categories, and then the best original song. So that'd be six, then. So that's a Baker's five. Touche, Brad. <laughs> same thing with the Razzies. We'll cover the same topics. Here we go. You ready? I, I think so. I think I'm buckled in. For the best picture, the winner was Chariots of Fire. Mr. Musabini, I can run fast. With your help, I think I can run even faster. Perhaps faster than any man ever ran. I want that Olympic medal. Now I can see it there. It's waiting for me. But I can't get it on my own. Well, we have an old saying in my game, son. You can't put in what God's left out. Now you leave it to me. I'll watch you. I'll observe. And if I think I can help, if I can see the big prize hanging there, believe me, I won't waste any time. Oh, how could this not be Best Picture? What was it up against? It was up against Atlantic City, which I never saw. Never, never heard of it. Yeah. I've heard of it. I just never saw it. You, who, When you're a kid, you don't want to watch a movie about adults for the most part. Uh, yeah. You're like, I'll get to it. Give me, you know, <laughs> can we get some more nudity? <laughs> yeah. On Golden Pond, Raiders of the Lost Ark, and Reds. Those are the other contenders. Uh, yeah. One of these things is not like the others. I'm kind of surprised to see Raiders on that list. Yeah. It deserves to be. I, I agree. Um, I was having this conversation with someone about what my favorite 80s movie was, and it really put me on the spot. I don't like having to make declarations like that. I'd like to keep my options as open as I can. But when pressed, I finally was like, you know what? It's Raiders. Raiders of the Lost Ark is my favorite movie of the 80s. I want to find the one person out there in the 80s nation who says, you know what it is? It's Atlantic City. That's the one. <laughs> Call us. <laughs> when I think 1980s, I think Atlantic City. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Chariots of Fire was actually not expected to be much of a film. They, when they filmed it, it was expected to be a small British film that, you know, maybe people who, who lived in the UK would go watch because it was a story of the 1924 British Olympic team and their road to the Games in Paris. It was expected to be something that was completely local that nobody outside the UK could connect with. Sure. 
And truth be told, the movie would have had a G rating in the U.S. Really? But producers were so afraid of that because they didn't want it to become like – they didn't oh, want movie, movie audiences to yeah. think that it was Herbie the Love Bug or, you know, right. Benji Come Home. Rescuers Down Under. Right. So what they did was they added a scene showing two World War One veterans using an obscenity early on just to get the PG rating. <laughs> That's what we do on the podcast, you f***. <laughs> there we go. PG-13. Thank you very much. Probably best known for introducing us to Ben Cross and the theme song to by Vangelis. I had this soundtrack on a cassette. I own this movie, the uh, digital version of it. It's the perfect movie to have on the background while you're working from home. You know, like half of it's montage. Right. And then and then you turn over and you're like, oh, they're running a race. I'll, I'll watch for 45 seconds. Okay, back to work. You know, I never really thought about that. You know, we always talk a lot about montages in 80s movies, but I've never really brought Chariots of Fire into that discussion. It's got a lot. Yeah, it's a lot. And like any sports movie, really, because, you know, you're going to get better. Got to get better. And those are great montages. They're super classy, top shelf. It's $2 extra for that montage at the bar. If you're going to ding Chariots of Fire, you almost want to ding it for the same reason people don't like Lady Hawk. Because you have a movie set back in time to a modern musical score. Okay. I was interested to see where you were going to go with that. Because I'm like, Lady Hawk and Chariots of Fire have what in common? Uh, modern day modern score yeah i think it's a little more egregious than lady hawk but yeah i can see what you're coming from right i agree i I, I do like the the score for the other one now in case you're wondering and by now you should be the golden raspberries were in their second year in 1981 they nominated several movies for uh (laughs) worst picture among them endless love heaven's gate the legend of the lone ranger and tarzan the ape man but the one that took home the Razzie, Mommy Dearest. Did you scrub the bathroom floor today? Did you? Yes, Mommy. Yes, Mommy what? Yes, Mommy Dearest. When I told you to call me that, I wanted you to mean it. Ah. Uh. We've talked about this movie What before. a nice lady. Episode 553. Such a nice lady. She just doesn't want wrinkles on her clothes. If this came on TV, though, you'd still watch it, wouldn't you? Uh, I don't know. I'd probably watch 15 minutes of it, and then I'd yeah. get up and make myself another drink and you know, find an episode of MASH to watch or something. We'd download a bootleg version of Lady Hawk. Ooh, ooh. <laughs> Actually, you know what? I would watch Lady Hawk. I haven't seen I would, that in I would watch Lady Hawk, too. They never show it. It's I like never that on. movie. I like that movie. There's nothing wrong with it. It's not gonna, we're not going to talk about it in this movie except for right now. I don't remember. Okay, Endless Love is kind of infamous in its time. Heaven's Gate, it, also infamous. Legend of the Lone Ranger. Like They made a Lone Ranger movie in the 80s? I don't, no, yeah, I don't no remember. No recollection it. of that. And Tarzan the Ape Man is naked Boderic in Africa. Right. So we watched it. So, of it. course, we were, in, you know, we were interested in that, whether we had access is another matter. Well, now you can just Google it. You know, naked Boderic Africa. And Google it, Steve. It will pop up. I'm going to do it on my work computer. (laughs) (laughs) That's fair. Moving right along, the next category, Best Actor. The nominees, Warren Beatty for Reds, Burt Lancaster for our favorite movie, Atlantic City, Dudley Moore in Arthur, Paul Newman for Absence of Malice, but the winner was Henry Fonda in On Golden Pond. 
Mm. Getting dark, Chelsea. Who do you call him, Chelsea? I'm Billy, remember? Hey, come on, man. Hey, are you okay? Of course I'm okay. Okay. Hey, we better hurry up and catch Walter, huh? I mean, I'm not gonna be here much longer. Yeah, neither am I. I, I didn't see I don't I didn't see this movie I, I didn't see it then I've seen it since I haven't seen it since really you've never seen it wow no, we I found mean, an it, 80s movie you've never seen it's touching it's pretty heartfelt it, it would probably hit us more when we live now that you know we're getting older our parents are getting older well I mean my dad's been gone now for 12 years so I think that it might hit me a little too hard yeah so you know what makes Spiracy cry? Maybe steer away from that one because that's that's running towards danger. Uh, again, what's Dudley Moore doing on this list? What do you mean? What's Dudley Moore doing? The, he was fantastic in Arthur. <laughs> it's so fun to poke Steve about Arthur. I, you know what? I hadn't seen this in forever, and Katie and I watched it. I think we talked about this. Katie and I watched it maybe six months ago, and yeah. we're both really kind of pleasantly surprised at how it held up. Arthur, yeah. The only thing that taints it really is Arthur Two on the rocks. Oh, I just <laughs> I just don't acknowledge that. Just like I don't acknowledge <laughs> Ghostbusters so Two. I mean, it's don't get me wrong. It's it's of its time. It's a hundred percent a New York City in the eighties movie, but it was enjoyable to watch. People gave us a lot of grief because we didn't mention this movie when we talked about New York City in the eighties. Well, we're idiots. What do you expect? <laughs> the only thing. That I was able to, d- to dig up on uh, about on Golden Pond. The script was bought by Jane Fonda with the particular intention of having her dad star in it. This, I, you know, I probably would have guessed. But this I didn't know at all. It's based on a screenplay of the same name by Ernest Hemingway. Really? I yes. had no idea. Yes. Wow. It, it sounds like a Hemingway uh, title. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? But um, <laughs> I, I, mean, I don't know if I've ever said on the show I'm, I'm, a, I'm a huge Hemingway fan. For some reason, I... Attached myself to him in college. I remember I had to read a couple of his books, and I ended up reading them in a day. I just I couldn't put them down. Yeah, I kind of want to give this movie another chance, but I'm I'm mortally afraid of the whole. I think you need to be in the right mental space for that. Yeah, <sighs> most people who know me know that I'm rarely in a good mental space. Well, so I'm telling you not to watch it. I guess, which is <laughs> I'm tell- fine. I'm telling you, like five minutes from now, I'm going to tell you this story. That's just gonna if I can fight my way through even talking about it, it'll be a miracle. <laughs> Anyway, okay, so of course there was a great actor. There was also a worst actor. The worst actor Razzie nominations that year were Gary Coleman from On the Right Track. (laughs) Go figure. (laughs) You couldn't even see him. Bruce Dern, Tattoo. Tattoo? There's a movie Tattoo? Okay. Uh, Richard Harris from Tarzan the Ape Man. And Chris Christopherson gets a double. Heaven's Gate and Rollover. Wow. And... Then the winner, Clinton Spilsbury, who I've never heard of, for his role as the Lone Ranger in The Legend of the Lone Ranger. <laughs> Why are you wearing a mask? Because I'm in hiding. Like you are. Did you watch The Lone Ranger, like the TV show, when you were growing up? No, I more remember, who was it that had the comedy routine about, Tonto, don't go to town? I don't know that. Do you remember that? It's like, no. You know. 
I'll go into town, and you know, then Tonto gets beat up. And anyway, <laughs> that, that might be Bill Cosby. I don't remember whose routine that is, but no. I again, I didn't realize there was a Lone Ranger movie in the eighties. I probably would have liked it. It's a western. I don't know. I mean, you know, every Lone Ranger movie, pretty much, as far as I know, and someone's going to write in and say I'm wrong. But I, I, mean, I remember the one with Johnny Depp got panned oh, really badly. Yeah, it's just it's hard to watch. It's, maybe it's one of those topics you just can't take on. I mean, to some degree, Tarzan's that same way. Like, yeah. You know, so, some things just don't age well. Yeah, there, there's stuff that's just so anachronistic. And uh, like the um, – have I talked about the John Carter books? I think I have. Yeah. The, and the did. John Carter movie, they, they didn't need to do anything. They should have just shot the book word for word, and it would have been a lot of fun. Yeah. But, you know – Nobody just, does that. Yeah. It's just such a – yeah. The pulpy fiction of the – 20s and 30s doesn't really map well to modern sensibilities but yeah clinton spillsbury where is he now clinton we know you listen give us a call we want to have you on the show i just love the name so okay back to the goodness of 1981 at the academy awards the nominees for best actress diane keaton for reds marcia mason for only when i laugh Susan Sarandon for Atlantic City. I, mm. I, now I'm kind of thinking maybe I need to watch it. Maybe we should check that out. Uh, and Meryl Streep for the French Lieutenant's Woman, which is another movie I can I can say never saw. I've never seen. Although that's one of those. Strangely, that's one that was on the HBO oh, all yeah, the time. Oh, right. But I'm like, uh, yeah, I don't give a crap about France. I don't care about lieutenants. I'm interested in women, but Meryl Streep isn't really doing it for me. Right. It's interesting. Anyway, the, the winner. Again from On Golden Pond, it was Catherine Hepburn. Listen to me, mister. You're my knight in shining armor. Don't you forget it. You're going to get back on that horse. And I'm going to be right behind you, holding on tight. And away we're going to go, go, go. Now, I'm a fan of Hepburn's. Sure. I remember the last movie she did was Love Affair. Where she plays, I think, the aunt of Warren Beatty. (laughs) It was in the early 90s. And it's basically a remake of... Porky's. An affair to remember. Okay. So don't be messing with the classics, my friend. (laughs) Here's what's nice about this. like Every once in a while, we we like to quote Roger Ebert of the Chicago Sun-Times. And usually it's when he says something that's really horrifically mean. That's and true. Then, and then Brad And then I get all, all crabbed over. up and I, yeah. you know, it spins me up. Steve likes to do it to wind me up. <laughs> Roger Ebert was a fantastic critic in the sense that the guy could write in a way that there wasn't any way you were going to read his review and, not, and come out of it thinking, huh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm not really sure where he stands on that. Yeah. Right. About On Golden Pond. Ebert would write, quote, On Golden Pond was a treasure for many reasons, but the best one, I think, is that I could believe it. I could believe in its characters and their relationships and in the things they felt for one another. And there were moments when the movie was witness to human growth and change. I left the theater feeling good and warm and with a certain resolve to mend my own relationships and start listening better. Watching the movie, I felt I was witnessing something rare and valuable. Wow. Oh, my gosh. I think I'm going to start crying. (laughs) I'm seriously going to watch this. I mean, not today. I don't know. It's a Saturday. Maybe like on a Tuesday night with a 
glass of wine. I, I think I want you to be sure that you are accompanied by your future wife so that you have emotional and physical support to you know, uh, she, get she you to bed me. while you're weeping. She saw me cry Tuck the other in. day when we were watching one of the Super Bowl commercials. The one... <laughs> <laughs> Where Mean Joe Green gives the kid his jersey. I no, know. It gets no. me every time. No. The the one from this year's Super Bowl, that's the take off on Edward Scissorhands. Oh, yeah. And I started getting all like mm-hmm. cry and she's like, You have got to be kidding me. And I'm like, It's not it's not the the subject, it's the music. The music it's, is so yeah powerful. And I started to cry. So then I wow. cried last night watching the end of uh, Miracle. The, the Kurt Russell movie about the Miracle on Ice, the oh, hockey team. It, I, come on. If you don't cry at the end of that movie, there's something wrong with you. But on one weekend, as America and the world watched, a group of remarkable young men gave the nation what it needed most. A chance for one night, not only to dream, but a chance once again to believe. Brad, tell us about the worst actresses of oh, I, You know I love this part. Okay. The nominees were Linda Blair from Hell Knight. Hell Knight. Oh, okay. Brooke Shields from Endless Love. I'm sensing a theme here. Barbara Streisand from All wow. Night Long. Well, I thought you said there were no blemishes on Barbara's career in the 80s. Hmm. We'll have to revisit that. I see a lot of things. And <laughs> that's fair. The, we had a tie the winner this year in Worst Actress, and that is between Faye Dunaway from Mommy Dearest and Bo Derek, Tarzan the Ape Man. James Parker, you were wrong. I'm still a virgin. Really, was she the worst actress? Because, I mean, there were some aspects of her performance that I certainly appreciated at that age. They were subtle. <laughs> <laughs> Bo Derek, let's let's talk Bo Derek for a minute. Were, were there any Bo Derek movies that weren't just vehicles to get her naked on screen? Probably, but I I can't think of one off the top of my head. I I, I remember I haven't seen her since she was in Tommy Boy. I don't know. Yeah. She I think she's largely retired now. Good for her. You have to respect her place in pop culture, even if it's maybe not you know in the acting realm. Oh, I I'm, I do not mean to besmirch her uh, talent, skills, or the, her ability to make a career out of this good for her but i just am wondering was she ever really offered any parts that gave her a chance to act or was it all just like and here's the part where you take your blouse off <laughs> okay just just because you've you you have not begged the question but raised the question I'm going to IMDB her you're going to look, look it up see. okay she okay. doesn't have a lot of work okay no, so I, yeah here we go she was in ten, right? Uh, she was in a change of seasons. I don't, I don't remember that one. A movie called Fantasies. I'm just going to assume that that was just a real wholesome, nice movie. Sure, uh, it's about owning your own gas station someday. Yes. Uh, followed by Tarzan the Eight Man, 1981. She didn't work again until Bolero, Bolero, 1984. Oh, Bolero is infamous. She was in <laughs> Ghosts Can't Do It in 1989. <laughs> You don't have to take your blouse off. The ghost can see through it anyway. Oh, my God. She, okay, so, yeah, she's got a pretty uh, short career. 44 credits total, and that's including TV movies, TV series. <laughs> yeah. 
you take I mean, that out and it's pretty Bolero it's pretty is the end for her really I, are you do you remember that movie not really we should do a show on Bolero. it's so ridiculous it's like she's i think she's, her boyfriend is a bullfighter and he gets gored in the place and oh, she's no. like i'm going to return him to being a man oh no yeah that's basically the movie maybe we okay. don't need to do a show it's pretty remarkable. They talk about it at some length in the that Golan Globus Canon Films documentary we were talking about a few shows ago. I always lean toward not doing shows about that are entirely negative. Like we're having yeah. some fun at some people's yeah, expenses, but we're, we're not the ones. Yeah, we're, so. we're uplifting. We want to uplift our decade. We come <laughs> to praise the eighties, not to bury them. Exactly. So in that vein, we return to the Academy Awards, uh, the award for best supporting actor among the nominees: James Coco. For Only When I Laugh. Ian Holm, one of the few big names that was in Chariots of Fire. Yeah. Jack Nicholson in Reds. We're going to talk about Reds here in a minute. That's where things are going to get really dark. And Howard Rollins Jr. in Ragtime. Uh, the winner was, though, John Gilgood in Arthur. Mm, he's great. Perhaps you'd like me to come in there and wash your dick for you, you little shit. Yeah. He is... <laughs> Such, oh my gosh! Everyone, everyone needs a butler like that. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I found out that Dudley Moore though had to convince the director to cast Gilgood in this in the part. Uh, uh, Gilgood would later say, "Quote: I thought it was rather smutty and a vulgar little film, so I refused it." So English. <laughs> but each time they asked me, they doubled my salary, so naturally I became reconciled to do it. <laughs> hey, everyone's got a price, Spearsy. Yeah. Mine is just incredibly low. Just uh, for the record, Gilgood was also in uh, Chariots of Fire that year. So. Oh, nice. He, he, yeah, I mean, that's worked. a big cast. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Who was the worst supporting actor? I see a trend here. Worst supporting actor. Nominees. Uh, Billy Barty from Under the Rainbow. I, I wanted to like that movie. It didn't work out for me. No. Uh, Ernest Borgnine, Deadly Blessing. James Coco, only when I laugh, who's also Oscar nominated, so there's some some you know that's a mixed card for that fight. Danny DeVito from Going Ape, don't forget the exclamation mark at the end of that one, and the winner, Steve Forrest in Mommy Dearest as Greg Savin. If you're acting, you're wasting your time. If you're not, you're wasting mine. Everyone in this movie is a little stiff. I mean, they that movie's beloved now for being kind of campy. Yeah, and like I said, I would watch it if it were on if I had nothing else to do. But yeah, it's just there's something about it. Like the timing isn't right. The, the maybe it's the way it's edited. I mean, I can edit this podcast in a way that it sounds like the words that are coming out of our mouths came out in completely different time zones. Actually, they are. But uh, you know, <laughs> th- there's a way to edit where it's a little more natural. I guess is what I'm getting at. And it seems like the way that that movie is cut, it just doesn't flow right. Yeah. It's an unfortunate film. We all do it. We we've, we have our share of unfortunate podcasts. So, <laughs> the wall I, of I'm shame. trying to think of one. There's a couple this summer that we did that that uh, we got some 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 stick some, for. Yeah, <laughs> it's the summer. You know, we're on vacation. I'm yeah. on vacation. The war is over. Get new parts for your brain. Okay, here we go. This is where I'm going to... Okay, I'm going to try to keep this together. Okay. okay. You got this, Steve. Moral support. Back to the Oscars. Back to the Dorothy Chandler Pavilion. Nominees for Best Supporting Actress in, for 1981 movies were uh, Melinda Dillon for Absence of Malice, 
Joan Fonda for on Golden Pond, Joan Hackett for Only When I Laugh, Elizabeth Montgovern in Ragtime, but the winner was Maureen Stapleton in Reds. <gasps> Nice. Will you tell Max I'd like a picture of myself in the magazine? And under it, I would like the words deported. In 1919, the government of the most powerful country in the world is afraid of this woman. We're going to get you back, Angie. The revolution needs you. We're going to get you back. Comrade, I'm not leaving the revolution. In Russia, I'll be joining it. So we've talked about Rez on the show before, I think. I think I've defended it. I love it for some weird reason. It's one of those, it, it's kind of the last, not the last, but among the last of the kind of big three hour movies that Hollywood was allowed to make or allowed to ma- be made. You know, right. movies with intermissions, I guess I'll call them for lack of or, a better. And movies that were a particular actor's or director's pet project for yeah. a number of years. So if you've never seen Reds, it's a, it's a bio doc film. Co-written, produced, and directed by Warren Beatty. It was his baby since the 60s. It's about the life and career of John Reed, who was a journalist and writer who chronicled the Russian Revolution in his book, Ten Days That Shook the World. And if you're still kind of on the fence as to whether or not to watch it, uh, Vanity Fair called it, quote, a sprawling three-hour and 20-minute montage of sorts to the Russian Revolution as well to the high passions that animated the largely forgotten American left in the years before, during, and after World War One. I. I don't know if that makes me want to see it necessarily, but I have. It more makes me want to read about it than I want sure. to want to watch the movie, but yeah. Yes. In her acceptance speech, Maureen Stapleton said, quote, I would like to thank everyone I've ever met in my entire life. Well, that, that sums it all up rather nicely. Yeah. They didn't have to play her off. So... I started getting curious because I, I knew Stapleton was pretty active in the 80s. I specifically think of Cocoon when I see her. Sure. She, she died, I think, in 2006. Yes. Turns out she did 13 movies in the 80s. Dang. I think the ones that people probably remember most are Johnny Dangerously, uh, Cocoon, and The Money Pit. Oh, The Money Pit. Oh. But do you remember, Brad... A 1982 TV movie called The Electric Grandmother. Orange juice, Agamemnon. Agatha. Oh, I'm so sorry, Agatha. Oh, I'm afraid I have a terrible weakness when names are concerned. You mean you've got a clock inside you? Oh, yes. What for? Well, to hear what Mr. Shakespeare calls the inaudible, noiseless foot of time. Shakespeare? All's well that ends well. Act five, scene three. No. No, I can't even come up with a dumb enough joke to insert there. (laughs) Good. So this was a one-hour TV movie. It was based on Ray Bradbury's um, story, I Sing the Body Electric. Okay. And Maureen Stapleton plays the title character. She's a custom-made sort of robot slash android purchased by Edwin Herman, whose character is widowed. Okay. You know, in this series. Grandma is sort of like this automated Mary Poppins. She mm-hmm. can read minds and conjure up meals literally at her fingertips. She can she can make a clothesline fly into the air with the help of a kite and hang the clothes and stuff like that. Snappy. And she's she is brought to that family to act as a surrogate mother to to um, his three kids. Two of which just 
lover immediately. But there's a third who's hostile. And that's the big turning point of the movie. She, the kid nearly dies. Grandma saves her. And you think that they live happily ever after. But what happens is the, the kids grow up, you know, and they become right. adults. And so they have to say yeah, goodbye. Newsflash, that actually does happen. And it actually will break your heart a little bit. But what are you going to do? So the kids grow up and go away. And so grandma is not needed anymore. So they say goodbye to grandmother who they put her in like a nursing home with the other electric grandmas. And there they spend the rest of their time, you know, just recounting the memories of raising the kids that they were in charge of (gasps) and stuff like that. And that's awful. What happens at the end, what happens at the end though is the grown up children um, have outlived their own spouses and their own kids and they need someone to care for them. So they come back. You see these three senior citizens um, come back and say, grandma, is that you? And so she comes back and takes care of them until they die. Oh my gosh. Grandma, I love you. Oh, grandma, come play with us. Will you brush my hair, grandma? Grandma, grandma, let me help. Grandma, Grandma, let me help. Oh, no, me. Oh, no, me. Grandma, I love you. Grandma, I love you. Turn about, round about, sharing our day. I don't know why I lose it on this one. Man. I saw this in 82, and I'm sure, I don't know if my brain was evolved enough to, to cry at that time. <laughs> About, well, about something emotional, like if someone beat the shit out of me with a paddle, yeah, maybe. Uh, well, yeah. The, the interesting thing too is it's available on. You can go to YouTube and watch it for free. It's it's forty two minutes without commercials, yeah. and when Grandma starts singing the song at the end as she's taking care of these three old, you know, adults. Oh, I dare you! I dare you not to cry. That's that's pretty rough. I mean, that's right up Ray Bradbury's alley, though. He doesn't. You know, talking about things that don't have a lot of subtlety, Ray Bradbury likes to hit you over the head with the point when he's yeah, making it. He does. And that's one of those movies I think that, you know, I always say some movies you have to see in the 80s at least once. And then and then when you watch them 40 years later, you you feel the same Right. You can feelings. occupy that space where you saw it when in the 80s. This, this is the one that jumps right back in that hole and it just, uh, whew, rough. Mm. I got through that better than I thought I would. Well, but, you did. You uh, did very well, Steve. So, who was the worst supporting worst actress? Or on the other, on the other side of the coin, nominees for worst supporting actress Razzie were Rutanaya Alda from Mommy Dearest, hmm. Farrah Fawcett from The Cannonball Run as Pamela Glover. You take that back, Razzie. She was amazing. <laughs> Nobody sat in an ambulance like her. Uh, Mara Hobel from Mommy Dearest as young Christina Crawford. Shirley Knight from Endless Love as Anne Butterfield. And the winner, yes, you guessed it, Steve. The Razzie for Worst Supporting Actress goes to Diana Scarwood, the adult Christina Crawford from Mommy Dearest. Why did you adopt me? <laughs> what? Why did you adopt me? Because I wanted a child. Because I wanted someone to love. You act for me damn straight damn skippy 
She cries in that movie more than I just cried in this podcast. Yeah, because she knows she's going to win a Razzie. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, we're almost done here. We're up to the best original song. So back to L.A. we go for the presentation of best original song. I think these are all pretty good. Yeah. Uh, Among the nominees, Endless Love, the title song from Endless Love, which is probably the only good thing about that movie. So the first time it happens from the great Muppet caper. I still remember seeing that movie. I'm sure I did. I don't I, yeah, I just was funny. I was having the same thought. I'm not sure that I've seen that either. I love the Muppet movie. I'll watch that yeah, sure. anytime. For Your Eyes Only from the James Bond movie, For Your Eyes Only. Mm. Fantastic. I love mm. James Bond theme songs. And One More Hour from Ragtime. But as you might have gathered from the beginning of the show, the winner was Arthur's song, Best You Can Do, music by Burt Bacharach, lyrics by... Uh, Carol Bear Sager, Christopher Cross. That was a big, big hit. I, I don't want to say Endless Love and For Your Eyes Only, you never heard on the radio, but that crisscross song omnipresent humongous it's a fantastic there's nothing i got nothing oh yeah nothing no I, I mean to say yeah. bad, bad about it it reached number one on the billboard charts in october it stayed there for three weeks it was the second and the last number one hit by christopher cross to date really yeah. huh but what key is it written in only you would know brad i don't know i'm just making jokes about wikipedia entries for songs Ever write that information down? So tell us about the worst original song. The worst original song. Wow, these are these are some stinkers. Nominees: Hearts Not Diamonds from The Fan, The Man in the Mask from The Legend of the Lone Ranger, Only When I Laugh from Only When I Laugh, You, comma You're Crazy from Honky Tonk Freeway. <laughs> but the winner, I, none of these songs and half of these movies I haven't heard of. The winner for worst original song. Baby Talk from Paternity. I, I remember what? the movie, Burt Reynolds. But I, oh, yeah, that's a Burt Reynolds movie. But I don't remember the song. And even hearing it play right now, I mean, <laughs> is yeah, it really a song? I don't know what that is. Uh, yeah. I, I will say, it's, so seeing the thing about the man in the mask, that reminds me, that wasn't there like, I'm starting to get some some spidey senses about the Lone Ranger movie that the actor who had played the Lone Ranger was forbidden from wearing the mask. Like the mask was part of the trademark that the studio owned. And so the guy who had done the TV series was not allowed to appear as the Lone Ranger by the studio legal department. (laughs) Nothing would surprise me. Uh, Yeah. Thanks Hollywood. You know, us we'd like to thank Hollywood for the The seggies. What's happening, hot stuff? Ah, by the sound of the gong, it's time for mystery movie moment. It's kind of fun to have the Seggy in a in a movie show, I suppose. Yeah, nineteen eighty one. I mean, I give it a um, what kind of grade would you give nineteen eighty one as far as movies go? A B minus. Yeah, that sounds about right. Some great stuff, but uh, 
overshadowed by some uh, some real stinkers. You know, A, B, C, you're in the top three. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, this is the segi where we play a snippet of a movie from the 80s. And if you get it right, you're entered into the drawing for swag. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's not what it is. It's a postal-friendly bottle opener. Oh, oh my God. Geez. Thank Wiped you. Oh, that tears. felt so good. Why did we wait so long for you to say that in this episode? That's what I needed to hear. Oh, I feel so good. I feel like, like my weight has been lifted from me ever since the electric grandma. <sighs> Man, that was, I'm, thankfully, I... I I, it was like 24 hours ago that I, I, wa- I watched Did it. Did you watch it? Finish. I was going to ask yeah. if you watched the whole thing. Yeah. yeah. Oh, God. Wow. Oh. Ah. Anyway, pay attention. Here was the clip from the last time we did this seggy. My God, son. Where are all the weapons? The weapons are secured, sir. Yep. That's taps. It's not the most obscure reference. The only reason I picked it, I don't know. Do you subscribe to any of like the, you know, the movie channels or anything like that? Yeah. Pretty much, I, I have this ridiculous. It's a long story. Actually, it's not that long a story, but I have uh, a very friendly pricing package with one of the major uh, cable providers. So yes, we have many movie channels. Okay, I have the HBO Max okay. app, mm-hmm. and I also have Amazon Prime and Netflix. I think, but I, every time on Amazon Prime, which, which is the most aggravating of them all, because Maybe half of them are free. Right. It's like, oh, hey, I have this. Oh, yeah, you have to pay for that one. Yeah, like, no, that. I just want to see the free stuff or the stuff it, that's included with my membership. I realize it it's says, not free. Exactly. And it always says, there's always like the featured movie on stars, you know, S-T-A-R-Z. Z. And it's always this run of 80s movies. Like, it's got um, Hoosiers. It's got Taps. It's got this. It's got that. And literally, there's 15 movies in a row where I'm like, God, if I, I would love to, to watch any of those. Like, you could just like throw a dart, and I would watch any of the movie that it landed on. So the other day, I, I looked it up. It was only like 8 bucks to add it for the month. And I'm like, okay, that's fine. So the first movie I watched was Taps. So I think I've watched it three times since because <laughs> – I'm nothing if not predictable. Well, I, what I really want to know, Steve, is who would give their left nut for this bottle opener? <laughs> <laughs> A nice reference there. We did have some winners, so Brad's going to read them while I recuperate. Today I'm going to read the winners in the voice of the very serious newscaster from L.A. Story. Winners this week include Mike Wally Walters, Kevin Wench, Cliff from somewhere north of Detroit, Chris Sampson, Derek Rutten, Ken Mooch Milligan from Indiana, the Rough House, Ricky from Nashville, Buck from Wally World, Chase in Ecuador, Shan Nichols, Dale in Portland, proud Patreon supporter since 2020, Colin Hall, David Parrott, Brock in North Dakota, Tom Corn in Austria, and New Wave Todd, who sends this message to us. A little story regarding this fine flick. It was a family trip to the movies, and since my sister is nine years younger than me, my parents decided to let me see a movie of my choice while they would take her to see a kid's movie that was playing at the same time. There was about a 10 or 15 minute time difference between the two movies. Taps was supposed to get out first, and I was going to wait in the lobby after the movie. As I was walking down the long hallway, oh, you had access to a multiplex new aid, Todd? I hate you. So we're walking down the long hallway, I noticed on my right that Sylvia Crystal Classic Private Lessons was going to be starting in the next 10 minutes. A quick look over both shoulders, and I realized I could slide right in there and nobody would notice. So I did it. As I enjoyed my first time seeing nudity on the big screen, I realized that this movie was going to finish after the one my parents and sister were seeing. 
So, as soon as the credits started to roll, I went out the doors that led into the parking lot, hustled around the building into the big lobby, quickly dodged over to the other side of the lobby where there were some video games. I threw in a couple quarters and acted like I'd been there playing for a long time. On the way home, I was asked how the movie was, and I totally made up a storyline that wasn't even close to what we saw in the actual movie taps. Fortunately, neither of my parents saw the movie, even though it was on HBO 50 times a week the following summer. It was then that I first saw the movie, and it has since become one of my favorites. But I will never forget my experience seeing Private Lessons in the next theater over. Oh, that's classic. I love that story. It's a good trick. And, you know, guess what? The theater owners don't care which movie you go into. They just want to sell you a ticket. Exactly. Of course. Pay attention. Here's our mystery clip for this week. Look, mister, there's two kinds of dumb. A guy that gets naked and runs out in the snow and barks at the moon. And a guy who does the same thing in my living room. If you know it, email us at podcast at SITs.com and tune in soon to find out if you're a winner. Ah, the mystical refrain that is named that 80s tune. We will play a piece of a song from the 80s. If you get it right, again, the glory that is the postal friendly bottle opener awaits mm. you. It's so good. It opens bottles with just a flick of your wrist. I have one, but I don't use it. I feel bad. I just I don't drink beer anymore. So uh, Yeah, I have one, but I have one of those wall-mounted ones out in the garage by the beer refrigerator, so I usually just use uh, that one. Okay, interesting. But, you know, I, I save them to send to our listeners. I don't need the swag. You know, like Miles says on Risky Business, I don't have to pay for it. Yeah, exactly. Pay attention. Here's the mystery clip from the last time we did this seggy. That's On the Dark Side by John Cafferty and the Beaver Brown Band. Now, for what it's worth, if you actually submitted your answer and you said that's On the Dark Side by Eddie and the Cruisers, I guess you're not completely wrong. But, and, and so we include you anyway. We, we give you credit. We gave you credit. Yeah. Almost everybody got this one right. There was a couple people who said Bruce Hornsby, I think, and there was somebody who said they thought it was Elder Barge. <laughs> I think somebody just answers "Who's Johnny?" every time. Like, they're, yeah. it's like, oh, that's who's, who's Johnny? Yeah. Eventually, um, I also be right. I really like the story from I don't remember who it was who said you know gave us the answer and then said I like to tell my Bruce Springsteen fan friends that this is my favorite Springsteen song just to watch them you know like blow a spark plug. Yeah. That is a funny story. Anyway, let's read some of the winners. Okay. Winners this week include, and we're just going to read these like we usually do. That's too draining to actually try and be serious. Winners this week include Mike Wally Walters, Kevin Serving Winch, Jeff in Ventura, Jeff and Charity in Virginia, Paul in South Dakota, Tommy Doucette in Boston, Lynn with multiple ends in Nebraska, Kim C. in Gross Point Park, Michigan, Dave in an undisclosed location, Alejandro Sticks Cardoso Solis from Tijuana, Mexico, Kyle K. in Arkansas who asks if we give the movie a quick review so he can decide if he should watch it or not, Scott S., Lou Grill, John in Dallas, Just CH, Eric Celine, Cincinnati Joe, Dave Horn, Tom Strickland, Becky the Rocker Pixie, Stephen Halifax. Apologies accepted, Captain Nita. 
Chris Sampson, Bart Kopp from West Des Moines, Iowa, Sal from Buffalo, Michael Mockrock Hayes, Kelly in Huntsville, Scott in Georgia, Ricky from Nashville, Paul with no end, Rick from Friendswood, Patrick Gypsy Juggler from Parma, Ohio, Charles from Yorktown, Virginia, Buck from Wally World, Jeremy in St. Pete, Alan Titus, Darren in Ukaipa, Dave in Oxford, Kevin M. in Valrico, Chris the 80s Queen in Massachusetts, Michelle Willits, Donnie Gettle rhymes with metal, and... Chris, living on the air Cincinnati, who writes, The mystery song from episode 588 was On the Dark Side, originally credited to the fictitious band Eddie and the Cruisers. The song was released in 1983 along with the movie Eddie and the Cruisers, but the movie was considered a flop in the theaters, and the song fizzled out on the charts at number 64, never being read by Casey Kasem. The following year, when the movie showed up on HBO and in video rental stores, it became an instant cult classic. The record company saw an opportunity to cash in on the movie's newfound success. Shocking. And re-released on the dark side, the same exact recording, but this time with the band's real name, John Cafferty and the Beaver Brown Band. The song reached the top 10, peaking at number 7, and has since become one of the most iconic songs of the 80s, thanks in part to that arpeggiated piano intro. Say that six times fast. This was not the only time in the 80s that a song was given a second chance. As a matter of fact, it happened 18 more times in our beloved decade. Thanks for the podcast. I've been listening since the early years. It has truly become a very important part of my life. About eight years ago, when I realized my health needed immediate attention, I began to listen to the podcast as I jogged in my neighborhood and worked out in my basement. In 2014, I lost 50 pounds and ran my first ever 5K race. And Stuck in the 80s was on my iPhone as I ran it. It's what got me to the finish line. Years later, I still listen to Stuck in the 80s so much that anytime I ask my wife something along the lines of, you know what else would go good with this meal? Or, you know what else I have to do today? She knows to humor me by responding, the saggies. <laughs> Stuck in the 80s, Chris living in the air in Cincinnati Adams. Okay, I, confession time. I, when, I, when I first um, got this email, I, I, was really, I was really touched. And I, I read it to uh, future wife, and then I started crying. <laughs> Aww. She knew I was touched when. You know. Yeah, it's funny because I actually I was doing that with my kids. You know what? And I would come in with the seggies, and they started doing it, and I realized, <laughs> okay, this has to stop. And so I stopped doing it. That's funny. I don't do that anywhere else except from the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, Save it for uh, the show, sh- Spearsy. Short review of the movie. Should you watch it or not? Yeah, I think so. I, I liked it. Good cast. Yeah. Great soundtrack. Some some good songs I hear. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Nothing wrong with it. I no, I like it. I. Even the the sequel, uh, Eddie and the Cruisers, Eddie, Eddie lives. lives. I think I, you're the I, only person who likes that movie. Yeah, I like that too. So I'm kind the of predictable. <laughs> anyway, uh, Brad, spin the wheel. Let's find out who's a winner. Okay, here we go. And looks like it's going to land on. Kim C. in Gross Point Park, Michigan. Why is that so hard to say? Gross Point Park, Michigan. Because you're expecting to just throw a blank in there, I think. Yeah. yeah. I watched that the other day, too. I'm watching a lot of movies while I work from home. It's the only way I can I can focus on work is to have something yeah. playing off to the side. To distract that level of your brain that's like, something shiny. Yeah. Oh, something yeah, yeah. shiny. No, 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 squirrel. <laughs> uh, anyway, pay attention. Here's this week's mystery clip. If you know it, email us at podcast at com, and tune in soon when Steve stops crying. We'll be right back after this commercial break. 
How do birds fly? Where do zebras get their stripes? How can one sleepy fellow ask so many questions? Come on, now it's our time. I made some General Foods International coffee. Mmm, a touch of orange. It's orange cappuccino. I'm having Swiss mocha. I love that chocolate taste. By the way, where do zebras get their stripes? Oh, please, no more questions. Celebrate the moments of your life. With General Foods International coffees. And we're back. We have just a few minutes left. Uh, time to thank uh, our new patrons. Uh, we had four new ones since the last show. Yeah. Steve and I would like to extend the virtual high five of thanks and the hearty hand clasp of friendship to Andrew Conda, Michael Pajaro, Gret, Dr. Smitty Smith, and Robin Hill. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. It thank means you. the world to us. Uh, we now have tiers of membership. I know I talked about it last show. They weren't active yet, but they are now. There are three levels. Go online to patreon.com slash stuck in the eighties podcast and you can see what benefits come with each level. They are rad, bitchin', and awesome. They are. In the meantime, let's go dark again with baby talk from paternity as Brad and I remain here, hopelessly stuck in the eighties. Time to say night night, mama say night night too. Stuck in the 80s is now on Patreon. If you'd like to support the show, go to patreon.com slash stuck in the 80s podcast. Special thanks to Check Battery Daily for our theme music, and thanks for listening. Let's make nice, nice now and let biology step in and save the Join us for VIP Zoom happy hours, swag babs. Swab bab. You want to you do this a different day? You don't see your, 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 <laughs> No, no, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. Here we go.